Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Baker and this is Mama Stories. I created Mama Stories after seeing how impactful sharing stories can be in overcoming the challenges of motherhood. I am where I am today because of the stories of so many amazing strong mamas and I want to share that with every mom I can. So follow along to laugh, cry, and be empowered. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Have you heard about how we are changing the story for moms? Mama Fund is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to providing products, services, and education to moms in need. So check us out at mamafund.org. Welcome back to the show. Our expert for today, uh, Marianne. Thanks for having me. Again. Again. <laughs> so Marianne, could you tell us a little bit? I know we know you're a sleep consultant. Yes. And a doula. And I have a background in lactation and also a, a birth doula. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you, how many births have you done? In the day, I would do four to five births a month. Wow. Yep. And postpartum got so busy, I backed off on the birth. So I will do a birth a month and mainly postpartum and sleep consulting and breastfeeding, which is all usually connected anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing that for about the last 15 years. And I got into birth training at Bastier. No, no, Bastier is what the, it is now, but Seattle Midwifery School. Okay. And I had a friend say to me, I was my niece's birth coach. I'm going to take this training. I'm like, my sister's been bugging me for the last two years. She thinks I should do it. I'll take it with you. I took the training and I went, oh my gosh. There's so much I did not know and understand that mm. I wish I had. Yeah. So, was your sister pregnant, or sh why did she want you to take the? Class? It was a friend. Oh, her, okay. she was a coach for her niece. Oh, I see. Her yeah. sister. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I get it now. So we took the training. Uh, my jaw dropped. Jaw dropped about how midwives see things, how the conventional medicine sees things, and I really realized that the body innately does know how to do things mm. given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of that class, somebody came in from the postpartum organization and talked about postpartum. I'm like, there's postpartum doulas? Oh my gosh. So three months later, I took that training and I've been running full time ever since then. Wow. Out of passion and love. My husband's a fireman, so he's gone for days at a time. So I definitely had the flexibility of him being home or being gone and setting my schedule. Oh yeah. So, that makes it yeah. nice. Then I took the lactation training to be a lactation consultant. And being in the Seattle area, we have so many lactation consultants. I decided to not go that direction, but I had the background and go into sleep consulting because I found that that was a real need also. Yeah. And so I had a physician mom of a six-month-old breastfeeding every hour and a half throughout the night hire me and say, please help me. Mm -hmm. I'm spent and I'm afraid to even work as yeah. a doctor. So I did that. I was hired for three weeks and got it accomplished. And her word of mouth is what got me into getting certified in it. Wow. Yeah. That is so hard. cool. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Obviously you didn't have kids when you started this. So I this did. Is just, oh, you I did. did. My fourth one was just starting high school. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. you said your daughter's 35. My youngest is I can't is do math, 20, clearly. No, it's okay. <laughs> my youngest is 27. And my oldest is 35. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I feel those mother skills have really seasoned me to be the new mom that struggled with the things that mm. 
new moms struggle with to really yeah. know that being supportive to those new moms wherever they are and greeting them where they are and helping them with what the needs are that they're looking for was really just the gateway to me knowing that th that's such a, a need. Yeah. Especially in a transplant community like Seattle, where there's not a lot of grandparents that are in foreign countries or completely out of state. Yeah. They're like, they're by themselves. Yeah. And I would say culturally, I don't know if like we're bred to be so supportive because my sister, my middle sister, um, her husband is Romanian. Mm -hmm. And so when she had her daughter, mm -hmm. it was very different, the amount of support or just the type of support that kind of just came really naturally to them. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you had a baby, so this is what's going to happen. Um, the I'm not sure that happens here. Or just like I would say in our culture as so much. So I have, I work with many cultures and mm -hmm. I will tell you that many cultures, their families will come and stay for one to four months to help them through the first few months yeah. as a support system. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which I feel like sometimes I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. But then also <clears throat> it would have been nice to sleep yeah. a good chunk of time yeah. here and there. There's pros and cons to everything. Yes, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I had one colleague joke, doulas are the family without the issues. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It is. I, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you come in as kind of like this, you're an expert, but you're also not the expert. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like doulas do a really good job just in what my experience yeah. of not so much giving all the answers, right. but just kind of coming to an answer together. Absolutely. You guys are very good at that. Yeah, absolutely. Because your answer and need might be similar, but it, something else worked better for that other person. And they figured it out by trial and error on their own. Yeah. With the bouncing off information. and I think also just like having somebody there just so that you can't like yeah. being in that postpartum time, like yeah. somebody that is an expert. So you do feel like comfortable with them, yeah. but also you could start to kind of shoot ideas off of them. Yeah. Everybody has different goals yeah. and what their needs are. Yeah. Yeah. And sleep obviously is the biggest thing. Yeah. Like sleep consultant. I think obviously I know you, you wear many hats, but mm -hmm. that is my big topic because yeah. that was what I struggled with the most. And I yeah. feel like even today when I say I'm tired, yeah. I'm very careful to never say I'm sleep deprived because yeah. I know that, that I am like. not sleep deprived. Like yeah. if Grayson has a bad night sleeping and I'm tired the next day, I know I know nothing about what a mom who has a brand new baby is going through right now yeah. because it's just so different. Yeah. Like there's just no sleep. Yeah. And it's hard. It's a tough curve. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes people are not honest what their first few days and weeks are like because they feel like they're the only ones struggling. And then mm -hmm. another mom will step out and say, I'm so struggling. I'm not sleeping. I'm really just like spiraling out of control. And then they'll ask for help or at least their friends will realize that I'm not the only one. At least yeah. she was willing to verbalize that because I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I th and I think we, we've talked about this, I think, before and yeah. a little bit today. But um, I think it's shame, right? It's you yep. You feel Perfection. like you're, yes, yeah. This like, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm supposed to know how to do this and I don't. So I'm broken or something's wrong with the baby. And so it's just like you're not really realizing that, no, this is just what happens. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard and dark and no one can explain it to you. Yep. 
I honestly don't know what it feels like to be sleep deprived right now. Yeah. Like I just, sure, I could tell you I feel tired. But again, I remember how hard that was. And I still can't remember that. Yeah. I still can't really put myself in that space. It is a blurred time. I've had many moms say that to me. They don't really have a recollection of the first few weeks. Yeah. It's a, that's, I know I've told you, but it is a dark time for me. I try not mm. to go back yeah. too far because I do feel like that was the hardest part sure. was those first couple weeks. I just remember feeling like, yeah. what am I doing? What is happening? Yeah. Yep. So why is it? I know that there's probably a thousand different reasons, but like, why don't babies sleep? Like, why don't we sleep as moms? Like, what are, what do you see when you? Well, newborn's goals are to eat and grow. Mm. And sometimes the transition into the feeding challenges can be showing up. The gut develops and starts awakening up at about a month. And so you have a baby that's got fussy, fussy periods. Yeah, that's all real stuff. The question is, you know, do you want help figuring out what that might be contributing? Or, you know, for instance, things like a baby shouldn't be awake for four hours during the day. They actually need to be awake for very short periods of time. Otherwise, they visually sound and touch overstimulate, and then they can't cope with shutting down. That's our job. And then we end up rocking, bouncing, holding, feeding to help them self-regulate, which they don't have that ability for a few months. So, Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't mm -hmm. know they could be overstimulated so Very young. easily. Okay. I tell moms in general, newborns should be awake 50 to 70 minutes, and that's from the start of a feed back down sleeping. Wow. So, yeah. And is it, is it something that, like, let me ask you this. So if a baby is awake for, like, two hours <laughs> or three hours, right, is yes. it something that we are not doing? Like, are we not being, like, go to sleep? Or is it just that baby is going to struggle with sleep for some reason? There's that very alert, aware newborn that doesn't want to be shut, shut to go to sleep, mm -hmm. and they don't want to miss the world. And those are the babies we have to go swaddle up turn on the sound machine, go to the darker room to help them decompress and go to sleep. Otherwise, they don't do it. They don't know how to do it the first three or four months. Sure. They don't have that ability. So some kids just drift off to sleep in a car seat with a crowd crowded room. Other kids just like, I'm awake. This is much. I don't know how to shut off. And then the, those are the ones you tend to hear from. Yeah. It's the alert babies. And so that's something a mom can see at least and know okay maybe i need to start swaddling dark room some moms machine. don't catch that quite at the beginning okay they don't realize that that's what's going on well and i feel like we talked about it being a foggy time i yeah. don't remember how much grayson yeah. was awake i don't yeah. know if that was i mean i was honestly concerned about feeding him absolutely and he would cry a lot so making sure i was like burping him or whatever it was that was going yeah. on with his tummy yeah. i just um that's what I remember. I don't remember being like, oh, he's awake. Oh, he's asleep. I don't know if my mind could have gone Again, there. Again, you're in survival mode. You just had how yeah. many hours of labor, come home sleep deprived with a newborn, yeah. oh, learning breastfeeding, which is a six-week learning curve in my experience. Mm. We're really hard on ourselves that it's not natural. Yeah. It is so not natural. It is a learning curve for both. Yeah. And I think that's where the fallacies about new parenthood is so off because we think these are all just natural things. Yeah. And they're not. Yeah. It's learned. I, um, breastfeeding is a hard topic for me yeah. just because it didn't 
mm-hmm. come easy. And yeah. I and I do when I say it to a mom. Yeah. So often they're like, yeah, same. Like I had to switch to formula, or yeah. I feel like I gave up, or all these things. And I that sometimes I feel like I'm too. over it. Yeah. Same with yeah. you. Yeah. Well, just because you didn't visceral. know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I also think like sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm I'm over this. Like I'm good. Whatever. Grayson's way past nursing and yeah. bottles and all that. But then I see a mom breastfeeding in public yeah. or the other day I saw this mom carrying her son in Costco breastfeeding. And I was like, gosh, if there is like a badass woman, like you're right there. <laughs> and of course I'm just so in awe. And then I also have a lot of guilt that I feel at that time. We're because, good at that. Yeah. We're really good at that. So sometimes I do feel like I'm over it. And then of course not. I'm not, I no. still got to work on of that. Of course. Cause it's just, it feels like something I gave up on. Or something I didn't have enough information on yeah. as to why it was. Yeah. I've been not doing this natural. for fifteen years. My oldest is thirty-five. I still have that feeling after thirty-five years. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. The woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. good to know they won't go away because I have them all it the didn't time. For me. Yes. <laughs> I have a feeling they won't for me either. Yeah. Even like a bir- a birth story, you know, like I, I don't. I'm not going to say I had all these plans. I mean, sure. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it with no drugs and I'm going to whatever. And I had, but I wasn't, I didn't have a doula. I didn't, there were some steps I should have taken if I was very serious about that path Mm -hmm. and I didn't. But when I do see somebody go through such a positive birth experience and have such a good transition back home, or I guess what they're telling me that they had a good transition back home, I do feel really um, heavy about that because I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have been more prepared because I wish I could have experienced that like a positive transition. Have have four babies. Your journey (laughs) and story will be different with every single child. I don't think it's fair that we as human beings do that to ourselves, let alone to our friends. And it's not that anybody's intentionally doing it. We just have these pie in the sky, not realistic journeys of what the movie looked like for that mom that had three contractions and a baby born. That's yeah. not normal. Yeah. It's not typical. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And those first babies make the way They're They tend to be the toughest ones. They're, they're the ones that make the journey. Yeah. For the rest of them. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So they are the toughest. Well, I do feel really good now. Cause I feel like Grayson's, although he's like totally in the, te- the terrible twos or whatever people yeah. call it like tantrum, yeah. feeling all the emotions, like yeah. every emotion he feels it. He's a good baby. Yeah. So I'll, I, maybe my like time, my sleeping lack of sleeping for like 10 months was what was supposed to happen so that he could be so good now. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. It's funny. You should say that I found that babies that have like really severe reflux Mm-hmm. And they're in months of just pain. When things are resolved, they see the world in such a light. Like I'm happy. I'm I'm here. It, so yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it was. I actually still don't know what it was with Grayson that made him so he was um, such a bad sleeper. But honestly, until he was like nine and a half, ten yeah. months, he would be up every twenty minutes. Yeah, like we just didn't know. Yeah. what was going on and of course he did sleep through the night for like a month when he was like two or three months really he started to age. sleep six yep. hours at night yep. and so my husband and I were like 
look at us. Don't tell anybody, but we're rock stars. And we would brag about it. And yep. we'd be like, oh, he's so good. We feel like new humans. We're rested. Yep. Yep. I was like joining music class. I was like, yes, I'm good. I can do this. And then, and then the sleep regression at four months. It was actually like three for us. But, oh, man, I was like, what happened? Yeah. And then it was worse than one before. I mean, literally sure. up every 20 minutes, screaming, couldn't, like, not nothing. Co-sleeping wouldn't work, nothing. Yeah. It was awful. That's a hard time. That child at four months becomes, and it can be earlier, especially for full-term babies. They become very aware, alert, and engaged in their world, which is great during the day. Mm. They become very aware, alert, and engaged at bedtime at night, too, which has to do with the really that independent skill of practicing how to fall asleep, which helps interpret how to fall asleep and transition between cycles all throughout the night, like we do without thinking right. about it. Because they wake up and then... And they go, hey, last I knew was in your arms. Now I'm in the front yard. Come do it for me again. Mm. Unless there's medical reasons, but that's the developmental behavioral part of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what can moms do... I mean, obviously hiring sleep consultants, which yeah. I want to get into like what that actually would look like for a mom, but what is it that either we're doing wrong or we're not doing enough or what can we do so that when that four months comes? Sure. You know, I've worked with families from birth till you can leave when they're sleeping through the night. It doesn't matter what you do, quote unquote, right. That regression happens because it's developmental. Mm. Biggest goals are how to practice falling asleep at bedtime. That's where it all starts. Okay. Feeding well during the day equals sleep at night. So calories in during the day equals sleep at night. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So a well-fed baby sleeps. They tend to sleep better. Better. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're still not going to feed them at night. Depending on what the situation is, it's different for everybody. Sure. Um, not going to bed. Here's the six reasons why sleep doesn't happen. To bed too late. To bed too sleepy or already asleep. Inconsistent responses. Poor naps. Medical reasons. Too big a gap from last nap ending to bedtime. That's okay. a big one. Kids need a third evening nap until they're eight months old. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll be at 30 to 45 minutes. It makes the evenings pleasant. They're still going to go to bed at a reasonable time. And it's funny because in our in my mind, when you say that, I think like, oh, but then they won't sleep at night. It's like we're trained to think like tire them out. Exact opposite. But what happens when we tire them out is that they get too tired. Over cortisol. Okay. Over cortisol babies, sleep poor, sleep less, early rise, wake up more, cry more at bedtime. Mm. We actually want to be in a calm alert state. The whole drowsy but awake phrase, my phrase is I want them to bed calm and alert. In a good state, not overtired. They may talk, babble to fall asleep. They may cry at the end of it before they fall asleep a little bit. But you know you're in the sweet spot when they're not going in their crib and they're hysterical. That's a good spot. Okay. Yeah. And do you think part of the reason why they get hysterical or get upset when they go into their crib is that maybe the parents are carrying some tension too that's passing along to the babies? Absolutely. Children are very intuitive to their parents' energy. And I think there's real truth to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I always think back to Grayson when he was brand new. And I know I've told you this before. I actually can't remember if I've said this on the podcast. So I apologize if you're hearing it again. But um, when he was brand new, we brought him home and it got dark outside. That was a really hard time for me because I knew what needed to happen, mm -hmm. right? I knew sleep needed to happen. And then I also knew he wasn't going to sleep. 
So there was a lot of anxiety I had during that time because I was like, gosh, well, I'm tired. My body is telling me it's time to go to bed, Mm -hmm. but you're like wide awake and crying and I don't know what to do with you and all these things. Um, And so sometimes I wonder if a lot of that was on me, like giving grace and that anxiety because now not every night, but for the most night we have a, we have a pretty good routine. Great. And we started that very young, Good, but he (laughs) didn't work for a very long time, but we've kept this routine as much as we can for this long. And most of the time it's like positive and fun. And the next step right now we're experiencing some regression, I think because of his transition into being two, but Mm -hmm. where he like knows now that (laughs) he doesn't want to go to sleep. He wants to play with all his toys or whatever it is. So it's harder to do some of the stages, but that does help that yeah. routine yep. and it helped me be less stressed. Cause I knew like something was coming, right? Like there was going to be a nighttime. Right. Maybe it was only for half an hour, but at least <laughs> there was going to be some release. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think anxiety for sure for me yep. went along to Grayson. And you that know, time. sometimes kids just want to be given permission to learn it. And we don't realize that we don't catch it. Kids that are in your arms, they're arching back, they're melting down, they're wiggling out of your arms. They're saying, this isn't working for me either. I may not know what you're asking me to do. I may not know how to do it quite, but this isn't working anymore. Mm. And so sometimes it's just a few days of giving them the opportunity to practice it and they get it. Yeah. But yeah, they absolutely can sense that sometimes more rocking, bouncing, holding makes it worse. Yeah. Because they're overstimulated. Yeah. Kids visually sound and touch overstimulate pretty easy. Mm. It's funny that you say that. I can literally picture times where I'm holding Grayson, like, just, like, go to sleep. And he's yeah. so mad. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my gosh, but it's time to go to sleep. And just that constant bouncing. Yeah. And then, of course, the, like, please don't wake up. Please don't wake up. Please yes. don't wake up. Put him down. Yep. Oh, man, the amount of times we did that. Yep. But yep. the first time I ever got him to sleep and, like, had a baby. We didn't have a baby monitor for a long time because Grayson just slept on my chest. Ah. For many, many weeks. Yeah. Um, which I know is not ideal, but. Was that by choice or default? It was. Um, for survival. Yes, okay. I would say. I don't know, though, because I do feel like I had a I had too much anxiety to put him away from me. I needed him to be by me. Mm-hmm. So maybe for survival for both of us. Um, and I love the idea of co-sleeping. Like if I had another baby, I feel like I would co-sleep. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Um, but I also had a lot of, I felt like I had a lot of pressure, people telling me he needs to be in a crib. So I was like, he needs to be in a crib. He needs to be in a crib. But I like, couldn't do that. Right. And so both, I think survival and also guilt and all sorts of things, but I, I just needed to sleep. And so we had a recliner on a couch and I think for like eight weeks I slept in that recliner with him on my chest mm-hmm. and. But it worked for you. I mean, I think you it have to did. be very careful to pass judgment on somebody else in their ways sure because then that makes them feel like they're doing something wrong and guilty if it's working it's fixed and I think that that's a really good point because I would say if I could go back and have Grayson sleep on my chest for a whole night I would do it right now in a heartbeat (laughs) right so obviously I wish I could have gone back and been like this is so great I do think it was probably a lot of things I was dealing with that made it not feel so great um but you're right I I Again, I would co-sleep in a second. I would yeah. do it differently than how I did it. Because sleeping he, in a recliner isn't good for your back for yeah, a long time. But yeah. but I've had people have multiple children and bed sharing 
worked for one or two of them. But the other ones, it didn't. It depends on the child. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of fear, too, of what co-sleeping can bring. Yep. And when you are a new mom yep. and you're going through postpartum, yep. trying to eliminate fear is better than trying to yep. maintain some idea of what you thought motherhood was going to be like. It's so true. Because if you, like, pile it on, then you're just yep. going in, like, a a drain, right? Circling the drain of like, what am I going to do if I can't do this? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So when we, as a mom are going through this like terrible time, I didn't know you existed until very late on and having Grayson, which is when I contacted you. But when, so a mom is having a brand new baby, Mm -hmm. how can they prepare to like have some more postpartum support? So I've had, I've had moms repeat clients, mm-hmm. send me a picture of their pregnancy stick and said, don't book anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I've had moms call me pregnant and say, is it too soon to reach out to ask for your help postpartum? And then we have families that honestly thought they would do fine and it was pretty rough and they reached out after the baby was here. So there's really no one set way. Okay. It's just whatever you feel you know, it's finances and it's sure. family support and it's your personality and the baby that you're given because sometimes yeah. the baby you're given is not what you expected. Yeah, and it might be your second and it's different than what yeah. you experienced. Yeah. So okay. ideally to talk to some people, get some help, you've potentially lined up, even if it's first first four, six weeks in the transition time of the feedings and understanding, mm-hmm. it's just a good short-term help. Yeah. For sure. Um, so do you come... Do you ever have a client where you come like the first day? Oh, yeah. Okay. Or if there's multiple kids, we'll come stay at the hospital. Okay. So dad can go home. Oops, sorry about that. That's okay. And um, stay in the hospital and do what a partner would do, just being bedside and helping with different things. Because hospital staff is not really there for that. Mm -mm. No. No. So. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. I didn't know that Literally, if you want us to try to be there when you walk in the door the first night, let us know when you're in labor, just text message. And, you know, we kind of do out the math of how labor's going and find ways to be there when you walk in. I always say, if I can't be there for the first night overnight, I will come in the evening till 9, 9.30, get you settled, and then I'll come in the morning and then we'll talk about the next day as far as the next night help. It's nice to know that that also exists yeah. because I would agree with you that Dustin and I felt really, we really wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. We were like, itching to get out of the hospital. We couldn't get out of there soon enough. Um, but we also were experiencing a lot of like questions sure. and it's hard to get a lot of those questions answered. Yeah. And I do think Dustin and I could have benefited from some Well, sleep. you mentioned dreading the evenings and nighttime because you knew it was sleeping oh, yeah. time and he wasn't wanting to sleep and you were exhausted. Mm-hmm. I think that's why night help is so important to help you figure out the evenings and the nights with that side support and get a few hours of sleep so you can yeah. function during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Whether it be 10 hours after you delivered or yeah. whether it be 10 yeah. days. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's good to get that. Yeah. So if you did come to somebody's home mm-hmm. and it was in that early couple of weeks, mm-hmm. what does that look like then? So are you up with the baby at night and the mom sleeps? There's no or? one way to do this. Okay. It really depends. Some parents are really wanting their baby bedside. I find that usually lasts a couple, three nights in a row, and babies can be noisy, and they feel like moms are hypervigilantly listening for the baby to wake up, and they're like, okay, we're done, we need sleep when you're here. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like, you know, 
10 feet down the hall sure. whether in the nursery or the living room with the baby. Mm-hmm. And then feeds can be, uh, I find the first two or three weeks, it's really important to try to support breastfeeding. So breastfeeding support with every feed at, through the night. There may be bottle supplementation if that's asked or required. Once breastfeeding is established, some moms will continue to breastfeed. Some moms will say, I'll breastfeed the first one. You bottle feed the second one. I'll pump when I feel like I'm full. We'll meet up in the morning. Um, it really depends on what parents' goals are. Some people just want sleep. Milk's in the fridge. I'll pump when I feel like I'm full. See you in the morning. Okay. And some moms are like, can you help me every breastfeeding session? Okay. So. Wow. I <laughs> I feel like ev- every hospital. Yeah should send home a mom with that mm-hmm. exactly because it is good to have it customized because it is different it for is every absolutely mom. different and obviously you have these like goals or aspirations of what you think motherhood's going to be like and what you want it to be like and what right. you want to create which is good to have that support but you honestly can't do it alone no like it, you just can't yeah and I really think if money is an issue getting support the first week Again, some people say, I need eight hours of sleep at night. I want help for the first two to four months until I can get five, six, seven hours of sleep because I don't do well during the day with my anxiety or depression with lack of sleep. Mm -hmm. And I think that stuff is real. Yeah. And so it just kind of depends. Or if, you know, money's a budget an issue, you just have a few nights the first week, really get good up and running information and support and go from there. Well, I remember telling um, Dustin when we yeah. found out what a sleep consultant was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, that's I'm speaking of a doula, by the way. Doula yeah. sleep consultant. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm going to keep saying that, but I think I mean all the hats. Okay. Um, just a night. I actually always say like night nurse or night support. But I always tell Dustin now, I'm like, if I have anybody who has a baby in my life, yeah. that is what I'm getting them for their baby shower. Like We've been given before. Yeah. yeah. Because... Uh, even if it's just one it's priceless. night, yep. oh my I gosh, totally agree. just the one time when you can just yep. sleep and rest and it's not a family member and it's not, you know, it's no. just like somebody there. I love those nights because it's literally breastfeeding support every three hours. It's, you know, an hour of talking about baby stuff and suggestions and transitions and things to look for, for that whole night. Mom just breastfeeds and we talk mm-hmm. and then they glean a bunch and then they're on a better foot. Yeah. 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 And it just feels nice to have somebody there that you can trust, mm-hmm. but then also somebody there that you've hired, right? That yep. So you can say, yep. like, these are what I want. Yep. I think that's the hardest thing with family members is like when we've talked about Dustin and I even just like hiring a nanny or like support just in our lives when we've gone right. through this. And family members have been like, no, I'll do it. I think in my mind, like, but the difference is if I hire somebody, it can be my experience because I can then say, this is what I'm expecting. This is what I want. Yeah. And so when you say it, it's the exact same thing, right? Like maybe I want to be up all night, but I just want someone to walk me through all the questions that I have or sure. help me with this because breastfeeding is really hard or whatever it is. Right. But you've hired that person so you can make that experience what you want yeah. versus if grandma comes or if sister comes. Right. It's different. Sometimes you know? there's an agenda with family. Oh, yeah. I want to hold the baby. No, I want to take the baby to bed with me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember my sister came with her daughter, um, who's like, um, she came out of the womb ready to be a mom. Oh, She's cute. like a natural mom. Yeah. Um, 
And so she, of course, was like obsessed with Grayson, wanting to hold him. Wanting to, and so her and her daughter were like watching Grayson for us. And Dustin and I got five hours of sleep. That's huge. And I remember awesome. when she woke me up, the plan was just to have a small nap. Yeah. And so when she woke me up, I remember feeling like, what's happening? Like my heart was racing. I was like, something's wrong with Grayson. I feel really rested. And I also don't feel rested. Like what's going on? And then I realized, wow, he just su survived five hours without me. I probably don't have to like wake up every two hours and feed him. Like maybe just when he's ready to eat, I could feed him. Yep. And okay. And it was like really a transitional moment for me. Cause I was like, okay, he's, he's starting to like understand that he did, maybe doesn't need to eat as much or maybe I could feed him more mm -hmm. or feed him less at certain times. And then I can get these chunks of sleep in. But I honestly didn't know that until my sister came to help. Yeah. But then there's also like the, now I'm nervous because he's with somebody else for five hours, for right? Sure. So there's <laughs> there's yeah. all these like dynamics. But for if sure. you hire somebody. And I always tell people with interviewing postpartum help, mm -hmm. if it's not me, find somebody you feel trusting and yes. safe with. Because if it's not me, that's okay. Yeah. Everybody has somebody that yeah. they connect up with. Because I think that's really important to know that you can go take that nap or sleep at night knowing your baby's in a good place. Yeah. That's really important. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the, I would say that's what I dealt with the most was that anxiety of being away from Grayson. For sure. Like I couldn't be, and I didn't think I would be that mom. Yeah. I never thought I would have that type of like separation anxiety. Yeah. But I mean, I remember in the hospital and people would hold them and I would just like, my eye would watch like, <laughs> why are we holding, like, can I have him back? Like what's happening? Yeah. Why is all these people touching him yeah. when I just feel like I don't even know him yet? Like yeah. I want to know him more. And I agree with that. Oh, and that was yeah. hard. Yeah. It was hard too. Like, going home when people would hold them, I'd be like, where is he going? What's happening? <laughs> this is where that time. letter comes in that you put out pregnant. Yes. That says we are so excited to share him with you, but we'd like to have our time of adapting to being a new family. If you'd love to bring dinners, we would love that coolers outside with the freezer pack. We would like the first two, four, six weeks on our own with our baby. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we would love to have you come meet him. Yeah. Ahead of time. Yes. Not in the throes of hurt feelings and you were not letting me hold the baby. And yeah. 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 I do think that would be really good. Really healthy to get just to figure it out. Right. Like what For does sure. this look like? And yeah. obviously there's some things that can happen in those first couple of weeks. You can find out usually, your son is usually, honestly, usually it's a tough transition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you were talking earlier about tongue tied, right? Yep. Like those are things that you find out usually and hopefully pretty early with the feeding or lack thereof or with struggling the, with the right support. I, I yes. find I, people don't catch it. Mm. Professionals don't catch it. And then I get the call. My baby's not sleeping. We are having sleeping issues. And I will s express that babies under say 12 weeks that have sleeping issues. It's usually a gut food issue. Get Which that. relates to tongue tie often or mom's diet. You can't have five star Thai food anymore. <laughs> you can't have the quad shot of coffee anymore because their guts are not really ready to digest that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was something I didn't know if I could give up. I think with the <laughs> breastfeeding, when it came down to like, we don't know what's going on. And somebody was like, well, here's everything you have to cut out. Things to think about for sure. And try this. And I think we did it for probably like four days. And then I was like, you know what? It's just not worth it to me. <laughs> and everybody has different goals. Yes. I was like, I can't do this. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. It yep. was hard. But I also didn't know that eventually I could have had that. 
what I yes. saw that was like forever. forever. Yeah. I'm never going to be able to have coffee. I'm never going to be able yeah, to have no. cheese. Yeah. And what I didn't know is that like, it just temporarily true. A very short, although yeah. feeling like a long time, yeah. just temporarily is all you'd have to have. Yep. Cause that was hard. <laughs> a breastfeeding thing was hard. What I found though, is that people would say like one person would say Grayson was tongue tied. And then the other person would say he wasn't. Um, so how do you know? That is my experience wholeheartedly. And I work with hundreds of families a year. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that is legitimately true. I find without labeling any specific professionals, I feel professionals that should be trained in it and should know, don't catch it. Really? Or it's a fad or they dismiss it or they're gaining weight. We're not going to worry about it. Mm. And again, you got to look at the big picture. Are we screaming because we have a belly full of gas? Are we passing a lot of gas? Are we taking forever to feed? Are we falling asleep at the breast? It's not just, oh, his tongue goes past his gum line. He's good. No, there's so much more to breastfeeding. There's a peristaltic wave. There's wrapping around the breast with the tongue. There's so many components to breastfeeding that mm-hmm. I find I, well, let me put it this way. Last, this last year I had two pediatrician moms that contacted me for sleep. One of them I had more an extensive conversation with about that. Um, I felt that that's possible. It was going on. Here's some resources. And I, she got a hospital scale to see what we were transferring because he was four months and only 12 pounds. Mm. And my heart broke because I knew he was really underweight. And I didn't know she was a pediatrician. And I said, I just find they're not trained in it and they tend to miss it. I said, and I'll send you to somebody that does this every day and can explain to you. Mm-hmm. And when I found out she was a pediatrician, I said, well, honestly, I really... Th- feel that the profession's not trained. She goes, I totally agree. Mm. So her own doctor and herself didn't catch it. Wow. He got revised at the end of the week. And in a month she messaged me and said, things have changed so much. Really? Really. So why is it that I'm seeing 30 to 40% of kids tongue tied. Now I had a dad say to me, well, yeah, you get the crisis call. I said, no, I'm a birth doula and I work with families the minute they walk in home. And I'm telling you, we're seeing it, we're recognizing it, but people that have been doing this for like 25, 30 years saying we're seeing it more often now, we think. Wow. Epigenetics, folic acid versus methylfolate, uh, conception, mother and father, genetics. Tongue ties are so genetic. Really? You know, the husband's or the partner's mom will say, yeah, I never got to breastfeed because partner wasn't, kids weren't gaining weight, and so I just went to formula in the day. Mm. So... So for us, when Grayson, I, I wonder if yeah. this is other mom's fears too, but when the, we were told Grayson was tongue-tied. So of course mm-hmm. we heard it from, we yeah. had opposing <clears throat> views. So I, that was hard. And that's common. Yeah. So we had, yes, he was. And then no, he wasn't. And the problem is, is that the like, yes, he was, is like, oh, it'll fix everything. And then the no, he wasn't was like, you just don't want to do that. Cause it could, it Nobody could cause wants a to slur, do it could do all these things. So what is the risk? Bad information. Okay. I think all my trainings, and I do one to three a year, whether okay. it's across the country or local, um, the myofascial therapist on the East Coast said there's not a downside to doing the revision done right. Okay. And when in doubt, it's always for, to benefit, and I would agree. Okay. Now, I have had some people that did revisions on kids that really weren't trained well, and it didn't go well, and then a professional that did it right had to redo it. Those are unfortunate stories, mm. not common, but there are people that are in the greater Seattle area that do it really well and know their stuff. Yeah. And yeah, 
So how do a mo- how does a mom find them though if they're faced with this? Well, you know, I've really found it's word of mouth. Okay, mom networking is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's professionals that do it and charge an exorbitant amount of money, which I think is wrong. Mm-hmm. And there's people that do it and take insurance, and there's people that do it that don't take insurance, but they're very reasonably priced and do a really good job and trained with the best. Okay, so it's really asking the questions. People are resistant. Nobody wants to do anything invasive yeah. to their babies, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But again, when you see the means to the end, or moms, <laughs> when my second grandson was revised, I went to the appointment with my daughter because I knew the doctor, and um, he was get he, they're swaddling him up and getting to revise him, and I start crying, and I walked out of the room, and the doctor says, "Where's your mom?" My daughter goes, "She's out in the hallway crying." <laughs> <laughs> But I know it's the means to the end. And my yeah. daughter was kind of my test, really my confirmation. I said, Stephanie, you're going to need to really tell me what it feels like before, during, and after. So with her first one, she said, so much better. And then there was some adhering, so we had to redo it. And we mm. went to Portland because it's the only guy that lasered at the time. There's great people in Seattle now. And she said that was the icing on the cake. He, she did need that second revision. And she breastfed for a solid year. Wow. Same with the second, same with the third. So when I heard clipping, because I don't know what that procedure actually looks like. Okay, so the f- there's a tendon under the tongue called a frenulum. Right. There's different degrees. S- some are as obvious, and those are more submucosal, mm-hmm. like you've got, yes. Yeah. I know I'm, like, <laughs> playing with my tongue now that you said that. Um, it's not normal, technically, to have that. Really? Really. Hmm. I pretty much didn't have one. I always thought I was the odd one. In my childhood, yes. Okay. But that affects the tongue's ability to do the smooth suck swallow. And depending how the tongue is functioning, it could also be a lip tie. It could also be the Mm. baby needs some cranial sacral therapy and some body work to loosen up tension from the birth or sitting in the pelvis crooked for nine months. Mm. Body work, getting a really good professional opinion with somebody that does it every day is a really good setup for preserving breastfeeding. Otherwise, it ends up being early weaning three to four months, yeah. four to six months. Yeah. Yeah. But if some, if a child is tongue tied, would they have the same type of problem with a bottle or is it just the nipple? It's different mechanics. Okay. But some kids even struggle with bottle feeding. Even when moms have stopped breastfeeding, bottles can be better and a little bit easier, but it still can be a struggle if they're really tethered. Okay. Yeah. And what's the risk like you mentioned, I have it when I just did. Sl- I'm, I just, I'm impressed. I, yeah. you, I don't even know how you saw that I, from across honestly, the room. Honestly, I've been doing this so long. I like the first thing I do is look at their speech. Oh, that is funny. It okay. can affect speech, oral mm-hmm. hygiene, suck, chew, suck, swallow, okay. manipulation of food, mouth breathing, snoring. Even into their adult Facial growth. Oh, my gosh. Really? That's my last child. Really? She is actually doing all the, what I didn't know, stuff that happened to her from birth was congested feeder, would take forever to feed, mm-hmm. always gassy, needed to elevate herself to sleep because she was apneing from birth related to her tongue tie. Now at 25, she's addressing it because we never knew. Wow. I was poo-pooed and dismissed by my pediatrician 25 years ago. Mm. And I told her this is really important to me because she was apneing. And I said, it's important to me that you do this. And she's like, it's been life-changing. Wow. I've had parents go on to get revisions when their children were revised, and they've said, oh, my gosh, I don't think about chewing my food anymore. I just do it. Where they used to have to think about chew, manipulate, suck, swallow. Really? Really. And mouth breathing. So what happens when you become a mouth breather if you have a narrow palate? 
Okay. The more mouth breathing you do, the more narrow your airway becomes. It's kind of the domino of it can make it worse over the years. Wow. I didn't know it was something that would continue. See, I thought if I clipped his tongue, it would affect him in the negative in the future. No, that's misinformation. So could you, what would happen if somebody clipped a child's tongue? I know you're not, I know you're not I was just going to say I'm not a professional. No, I know. I know. I'm sorry. But I do have a question. Yeah. If somebody clipped the tongue that wasn't tongue tied. There's nothing to clip then. Oh, there isn't. There's a tendon that tends to be really obvious tendon under the tongue and either it's there or it's not nine times out of ten you it's obvious see i always thought everybody <clears throat> just had it right and some people's were out further and some were in further so more anterior ties which are to the tip are like very obvious okay again every baby kind of has their way of compensating most of the time sometimes they can't mm-hmm. some are really deep and submucosal and you think oh those are not a big deal those can affect breastfeeding as much if not more wow yeah Wow. Yep. It's crazy to me because I wonder, like, I wonder, when obviously. When you watch many women breastfeed and you see the child that tucks their upper lip, mm-hmm. that's affecting a deep latch. You want duck lips. It, it can get a friction. Because they're saying they could cut up here, too. There's also a lip frenulum because mm-hmm. you can get a shallow latch. You can get lip blisters or friction calluses. That's because they're shallow latched and the lip's frictioning back and forth. So wow. even doing lifting their lip up when you're feeding and it tucks back in, that's just a really tight lip. Interesting. So that was my middle daughter. Okay. I didn't know any better. And she got all the braces. And the minute the braces came off, the, the center teeth separated because that friend limb was still there and nobody addressed it. At, at still at 30 years old. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. It affects teeth? Like Absolutely. Interesting. Yep. So my granddaughter does... is at four years old, working on her airway because of her tongue and lip tie. She had a narrow airway. She started mouth breathing and snoring at three, three and a half. And we're addressing it now, which you can address her growth of her palate while she's growing. It's actually easier than doing it as an adult. Okay. Because they're growing. And so this is genetic. So. Yeah, strongly genetic. Okay. Yeah. So would you recommend that a mom figures out if it's in her history or her husband's history before she gets like... I think it's good to be aware of it. Okay. I think if I interview with a family ahead of time and I see the parents, I I will mention it a little bit. What's your family history with breastfeeding? If you've had repetitive kids, multiple kids, Mm -hmm. your mom's experience, does she talk about that? Or I will say you might have a baby that's tongue-tied because I'm seeing potentially... Both parents or one parent potentially has a tongue tie and the parent, one parent will say, oh yeah, my mom said she never breastfeed. It was too painful or they never gained weight or depending what the story is. Hmm. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to go back and ask lots of questions. Yeah. yeah. My, I know both of my sisters breastfed for a long time, so they didn't have those issues. But my mom has mentioned things about me mm-hmm. not gaining weight. Mm-hmm. I remember. I wonder, I wonder exact, I have to ask her some questions now to figure that mm-hmm. out. Exactly. I wonder if I yeah. was different than my sisters or if we were all It like isn't them. just looking in the mouth and looking at the tongue. It's like symptomology. I mean, there's just, I just have got this created list of bing, 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 bing. Mm-hmm. Let's refer you to get assessed for that to make sure that that's not the contributing factor. Okay. Because sometimes it is. Yeah. And moms will go, oh my gosh. And so you're saying like in about a month's time. After three weeks, if, if post-revision, it's about three weeks of stretches. Okay. 
breastfeeding oftentimes and some body work oftentimes is needed because they've been in this state for nine months in utero with you know all this tension and so uh-huh. they have to work oops work loosening it up so that okay. it doesn't scar and they learn how to use their tongue that's freed now is there any fear of like their tongue no like falling back no i've, okay. I've heard a couple people say that here and there but no okay the exact opposite it tends to come away from the airway interesting yeah okay i always think it's like hang like that's what's no, connecting it to your mouth it's connected to the floor of okay. your mouth yeah interesting yep all these things i feel I like shoulda coulda woulda i wish i, I would have well, known i wish i'd known with a couple of my own kids yeah yeah for sure because i hope that there's no issues in the future now especially well, because you don't know yeah what well, type of what ends it up is. is they can get get palate expanders because they have a high palate mm-hmm. when they do orthodontics or their teeth are really crowded because the jaw never grew with the right tongue thrusts to grow the palate to allow space for the teeth. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Gosh, just like this little thing can cause so much mm-hmm. pain, mm-hmm. especially with breastfeeding, because I do feel like that's the thing moms just want to do the most. And yep. when this happens, we're broken. Like we are broken. It's usually not a mom breast doesn't. issue. Yeah. It's baby mechanics. I remember thinking like, what's wrong with my nipples? Like yeah. what's wrong with my milk? Like what's, yeah. and who knows, maybe it was more of that than anything yep. else. Yep. Crazy. People, I have people that, I had a sleep consultant with a, an eight month old down in Tacoma and I was at the kitchen table and the two year old was jaw dropped watching TV, mouth breathing. And I said, let's talk about him for a second. And he was a poor sleeper. He had behavior issues. He was a mouth breather. He never breastfed well. He was totally tongue-tied. He had enlarged adenoids and tonsils from mouth breathing for years. And so, yeah, they they addressed it and sleep improved. Wow. Yeah, just from that little conversation. That's amazing. I know. But it's crazy that it took you and him being, he was two, you said? Yeah, he was between two and three. <clears throat> like, why wouldn't somebody have caught it before So then? I, I have the blessing of uh, doing a study club with every other month with myofacial therapists and oral surgeons and orthodontists and pediatric dentists. So I've learned a lot from these people. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm realizing is, is that science is ahead of actually conventional medicine practice. And there's going to be a new criteria coming out about how to really assess these kids. Okay. Like everything, science is always ahead of conventional medicine. So, but I'm pretty passionate about it because I experienced it personally with my own kids and grandkids. And if my clients are willing to listen and want to change things, I have resources for them. If they don't, then we go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just think about the stories it would change for moms. Oh my gosh. Before and after stories are just heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I think bet. that's why I do it because I see the beginning and I see the end and how breastfeeding was preserved and how anxiety went down and baby belly pain went down because they're not constantly gulping in a bunch of air with the mechanics of a tongue tie. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So when you are doing postpartum to support, mm-hmm. I'm sure you have, but what do you do when you have, um, a mom who you know is experiencing postpartum depression. I don't hesitate to say, let's talk about it. 
Yeah. Because I don't want that elephant in the room that nobody's addressing. Mm -hmm. In fact, if able to be interviewed while pregnant, I ask, do you have a history of any depression or anxiety that I need to know about? Um, how can I support you? What information would you like if you feel like you're, you know, out of control? How would you like your partner to help you, you know, bring it up? So it's been talked about. Yeah. Resources. I think that's like the biggest thing is just mentioning it, like talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and obviously you're a professional and you've been around it. So it's yeah. easier for you to like ask certain questions or right. talk about it. But I just feel like anybody just mentioning any partner just sees changes or already yeah. knows their, their new mom partners has a history and things have escalated. Let's go talk to somebody about it. Yeah. You know, I think it's just the first thing is bringing it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I do think there's a lot of like, well, I don't want to get the medicine because then I can't breastfeed. There's and there's all these like things, these things that we just like say in our head yep. versus like, we'll just talk about it. Cause you actually don't Sometimes even know what talk it is. Therapy is enough. Sometimes yeah. it's nutritional. Yeah. There's research out there that talks about really good nutrition can help with anxiety and depression Yeah, and sleep. Gosh, what you don't get <laughs> sleep. That's where postpartum support is really important. Preserving the sleep. So we don't get spiral. Yeah. Yeah, I can't stress it enough, like having that support, having somebody like you come in. Yeah. And even um, from like the, not even just the postpartum support, but like the consulting part of it. You know, we talk about, you talk about, and many people talk about oh. how you have to train your baby to sleep. And in the right place, in the right time. And how do you know what that is? Well, as you, a mom, that's again, that's the learning curve. Yeah. That's where you reach out and say, is it a sleep issue or is it a medical issue? And that's where you kind of decide, is it developmental behavioral? Or we still have underlying things going on like reflux, apnea, low iron, low calorie. I don't know. We have to talk about it. Yeah. That's why I don't jump into, yeah, let's just sleep and sleep train every baby. That's so not true. I don't want to feel bad if it didn't work. Yeah. And you don't. I don't want you to hate me <laughs> because it didn't work. Yeah. If things aren't right, it does not go well. Yeah. There was one year a few years ago, I had five boys all at the same time that were things were not clicking. I'm like, something's not right. Two sets of twins and a singleton. And come to find out they were all low iron. And that wow. affects sleep and naps and brain development too. So that's what the problem was. Wow. Mm -hmm. yep. Gosh, you're more than a sleep consultant. You're like a superhero. <sighs> An investigator. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually have to tell you, one of the twin dads was a dentist and reflux meds for moms out there, reflux meds can block iron absorption. And they don't tell you that at the pharmacy. Um, he actually asked for the package insert. He's the one that taught me this. I, I wow. always say parents teach me something every day. Yeah. And he said it can block nutrient absorption and it totally makes sense. Yeah. And that's why his sets of twins had iron issues because they were getting breast milk and formula. But that still doesn't even matter. It's just, you know, you could look at the pregnancy. If it's a low iron pregnancy, they may not get their stores. Yeah. So. Wow. Babies talk to us. We mm. just need to figure that what they're telling us. Yeah. It's yeah. like a new language we have to learn. Yeah. And, you know, to make moms feel better, I raised four kids. They're great people. I survived it. I didn't know anything until I started doing this job. Yeah. I really feel like I lived on survival, too. Yeah. You got through it. Yeah. But. I, my kid, my clients have taught me so much today. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anything raising my kids either. 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, good to know because no, every true. day is a trial and error for me. Yeah. Welcome and it's hard because I'm in that stage uh, where I want to give Grayson everything. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, crap. But when I give him that, he's a total jerk. And he's so it. I can't give him that all the time. <laughs> yep. And so I have to balance that. Yep. Even my daughter has called me on, mom, if you say yes, you'll be saying yes to that forever. Do you want to do that forever? I'm like, mm, good point. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Especially as a grandparent, it's hard. I know. To say you want no. to be indulgent, but it's like, she's right. I really shouldn't start this yeah. bad habit. Yeah. Gosh, that is so funny. Yeah. Um, Okay, so when you do sleep train a baby, mm-hmm. uh, let's say we've we've ruled out medical, yep. all that stuff. Is there a certain method that you use? Do you let the mom decide? Um, Both. Everything's always parent decision. I present the information. At the okay. end of the day, I can coerce all I want, but if you're not on board, I am wasting my time. What's your favorite sleep training method? Right. So there's cried out, obvious description, mm-hmm. time checks, obvious description, right? Come mm-hmm. and go, tap in. Yep. I find that's actually more upsetting to a child. I have been using for the last 15 years and trained with Kim West who wrote the book, Good Night, Sleep Tight. Okay. It is child supported. You're with them the whole time, but every few days you're backing out in intervention. So gradually they're learning more independence with you present. Okay. As you're doing less and less over time. So is that the one where you sit in the room as they fall asleep yes. and you, you like physically back your chair out yeah. more and more every night or your Very seat basic, or yes. Okay. But there's a lot more to it than that. Okay. Yeah. How long does that take a child? Depends to on learn? the age. Okay. Um, if we have a bunch of bad habits and we have an older child, it can take longer. If we have, um, I'm really, my specialty is four to six month olds. If things are right, it sure. does not mean we still don't feed at night, by the way, to the moms that are like, I don't want to sleep coach. I'm still breastfeeding. I totally respect and preserve breastfeeding. We just do it a little bit differently. If you've been the breastfeeding every hour throughout the night, mom's usually spent by four or five months and it doesn't usually work anymore. I always say, you know, it's time to coach when the more you're doing, the less it's working. Mm -hmm. It's time to visit if there's something going on. Mm. But um, so, yeah, it's parents are with their kids, whether they're sleep bed sharing or crib or mat on the floor. And we gradually allow the baby to learn more independence as part of the process. Okay. Did that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I use the cried out method. Okay. Um, I did it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. I did it before I called you mm-hmm. <laughs> at six, yeah. four months, yeah. whatever I tried. And it, it was awful. It, like, lasted one time. Not even yeah. one time. I'm yeah. literally saying, like, we put Grayson down. He screamed. I went back in. I was like, I'm right. done. Sorry. Yeah. And work. I think the, the lack of information... I'd rather see you, as I tell parents, I'd rather see you be doing, when we meet, I'd rather see you be doing everything wrong, but it's been consistent because that's yeah. easier to undo mm-hmm. than try and stop and try this and stop that and try that and give in and give a bottle or whatever the it is because mm-hmm. that teaches them to cry more. Mm. So once we start, I am very, very upfront and very detailed. That's why the consultation is an hour and a half. So you really know who, what, where, when, why, and how. Mm. I give you every scenario so that when it's not that bad, you're going to go, it got, it was better. I'm like, great. Sure. If it's, you've got that personality where you've got that child that's really challenging, you're going to know that that's what's going to happen and this is what it's going to look like and this is what it, the process tends to be and then it tends to play out that way and they're like, okay, it was still tough, but it's what I expected because you explained it and then right. it got better. Right. And then those parents will be told by their friends, 
it's going to be the hardest thing you're going to do for the first three to five days, but it's, it pays off. Stick with it. So yeah. they're like hearing it from somebody else too, which is nice. Yeah. Which is in turn why we ended up sleep training Grayson, not until 10 months yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was because we were, we had some friends who have a son who's just a few weeks older than Grayson Yeah, and they were in town yeah. and we were doing our adult thing. And so it was time for the kids to go to bed ah. and their son just went to bed. Yep. Good night. I've heard that story a couple times in my good career. Yeah, good night. Go to bed. <laughs> see ya. I mean, I actually don't even know if they had a baby monitor. Like, yeah. they were just like, whatever. Yeah. And I thought, oh, gosh. In about 10 minutes, we're about to put Grayson down. And it's a very different experience. Because yeah. we were in the, like, still bounce him to sleep. Yeah. Slowly transition him to the crib. Mm-hmm. Rub his back. Mm-hmm. It, uh, oh, my gosh. It took us, like, a half an hour to put him down. It's tough. And we come back downstairs. Of course, they're like we're going to be really honest with you. You need to not be doing what you just did and you need to fix that. And so we were talking about sleep training and what that looks like. And then, um, Grayson woke up cause that's what he did every 20 minutes. He would yep. wake up and we'd yep. have to go do it again and do it again and do it again. And that was our life for a really long time. And then he also had to feed and then he fed and then he fed and they were just kind of like, what do you do? What, what yeah. are you doing? And so yeah. it was the first time I was like, okay, I thought this was like just Normal. what mo- what it was supposed yeah. to be like. Yep. Like obviously I'm tired and Grayson doesn't right. sleep great, but I didn't know there was an alternative. I didn't know the grass was greener on the other side. Yeah. And that was finally when I was like, cool. And so when I heard Grayson cry, which the cried out method is what we ended up using okay. later on. But man, I was like, go ahead, buddy. Cause mama's tired. And you were ready though. See, that's the point yes. right there mm-hmm. is that. I'm not here to push you or coerce you to do it. Right. You have to be ready because at the yes. end of the day, it's yours to continue. Yeah, because I'll rem- I remember, well, my husband was like, I can't listen to this. And I was like, it's well, tough. you go in the other room because I want to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. bye. Um, but I did. I made him go in the other room and Grayson cried for like 45 minutes. And of course, we were doing like the check-in, check-in. Mm-hmm. It was getting longer and longer. And then he slept until two in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, yep. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, because yep. we're doing this again. Yep. And it took us a long time. It actually took us, people say a couple of days, but it took us a couple of weeks. And I think they're not realistic in the couple of days, even in the best of scenarios. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. it took us a while, but yeah. but it got better. Absolutely. Like I saw results so quickly. Yeah. And I was ready. You're yeah. right. Yeah. I and I think that's my only thing I say to all moms. Like when you're ready, when your baby is ready and you're ready, it'll be yeah. A better transition. When I started coaching, I thought I had to really promote and sell the benefits of why it's time to work on sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have the occasional resistant mom or dad. I'm like, you're not ready. That's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not going to coach. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to push you into, nobody should be selling anybody on anything. Yeah. you got to want it more than I do. Yeah. Coaching. It doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. When you're ready and you know that nobody's sleeping well, then everybody's ready. Well, and that you know there's an alternative, right? Mm-hmm. Because I do think that there's a point in time when when your services would be more of that support, right? Like when yeah. you come in, when you talk about your postpartum support, you're coming in to do all those things, like make sure the mom is sleeping, make sure feedings yeah. are going good. Yeah. Like there is a time when you don't sleep that much as a mom. And you need your support during that time. Yep. And then there's the time when like, okay, you need to be sleeping more and so does your baby. Yep. And so now we need to sleep train or get on a yep. schedule or I'm whatever I'm working it with is. a four and a half, 
four month old right now. I, second time I've been with the family and I planted the seed last week that he's getting ready. I can tell by the way he's waking up and she was just kind of surprised. Yeah. <laughs> and his sleep is starting to fall apart, waking up at more night, which he hadn't been before. So yeah, yeah she was just kind of like already. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I, and I just think that that's something that's really important that we know, like one, every baby is different for sure. But also when we give advice mm -hmm. to other moms, mm -hmm. we have to be very careful because we don't, again, remember yes. that time so yep. well. And so when we say things like, oh, he should be on a schedule or, oh, he should, oh, he should be sleeping. Oh, she should be doing this. It's kind of like, well, maybe not. Mm -hmm. There is a point in time when like the baby just doesn't sleep very good and yep. you do have to feed a lot and it is interrupting your yep. sleep. There and are all medical that. reasons that things don't click and gel. Yeah, for sure. And then there is a time when, okay, we need to get yeah. down to business and yeah. do something about yeah. this. One of the, when I first started this, one of the biggest realizations that I hadn't thought about, of course, I don't sleep myself because I work all night with families. Moms would say to me, oh my gosh, they're happier. They're engaged. They're exploding in their milestones. They don't have a meltdown when I walk out of the living room. I'm like that makes sense. They're rested. Their nervous system's calm. Yes. They're in a good place. It's not a big event that they need to cling because they're so overtired. Yeah. I learned that just by clients saying, I didn't realize, I'm like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. I didn't realize it either. Yeah. Makes sense. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. When Grayson started sleeping through the night and bigger chunks and all that, when he was like 10 months old, I remember being like, oh wow, like he's actually really fun and can like, we can hang out, we can go to the park, yeah. we can do all these things. Yeah. And it's not like a ticking time bomb of like when he's upset, because that's what it was like before, you know, where he would just like, yeah. I mean, he's a good baby. I don't want my mom was always like, he's a really good baby. Don't say that you're going to jinx yourself. So I'll be very careful. But there were times where yeah. I didn't know yeah. he was going to like explode. Yeah. And it was all just because he was so tired. Yeah. And but he didn't know the napping wasn't good. And yeah. all that stuff spirals out of control when you don't sleep well at night. It's true, and the thing that I, I started seeing babies improve upon is just their their the placid face because they were chronically tired. They're just kind of in a vegetative state, and I'm like, that's how I feel because I work so much at night. Don't yeah. sleep great during the day. They started getting good sleep, and they're, like, happy and engaged. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is that baby. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep, it's such a big thing. It's huge. Science, hands down says how important it is yeah for brain cleansing and development yeah. and yeah that's why you need support after you have the baby yeah and you need to ask for help for sure and you have to sleep your train your baby in some capacity I think that's eventually the thing I want all moms to know I know you're going to give some advice and I'm not really the expert in sleep <laughs> by any means but like I know that sleep training sounds hard or it sounds you know, scary or, you know, you yep. don't want to be mean or whatever method you decide to use, but gosh, like it's good for the baby. And it's so good for you too, because you just have to, you got to sleep yeah. and your baby's got to sleep. Yeah. It'll change your life. For sure. And I, the whole coach and training from birth, you can set up good habits and good patterns and good skills yeah. that can lead you in a good direction, like feeding well during the day, every so many pattern hours, every two and a half to three hours. We don't want a five-hour nap during the day because guess what they're going to do all night? Stay up. They're going to eat all night. Yeah. Right? So you want to flip the five hours to be at nighttime. So those little simple tricks can help pay off with the long-term bigger picture later on. Yeah. Well, yeah. and just even knowing that those exist, right? Like when you, when you talk about your support, your postpartum support, like having somebody there, an expert who's clear-headed, yeah. 
has not just had a baby, has not just been sleep deprived, telling you like, okay, your baby's going to go through this time where there's nighttime and daytime and, and giving you like the logical, like informational pamphlet right there in front Mm -hmm. of you versus like looking it up online, hearing it from a friend, reading it in a book. Like that's just a lot kind of coming at you with all these different opinions and ways that people did it. And sometimes there's a lot going on at the very beginning, like the feeding issues and the, that's not the time to have that conversation. Yeah. It, it's not settled enough to even think about that yet. Sure. We're just trying to get a baby to gain their weight back. Yeah, it's yeah. survival mode. Yeah. But doing it with somebody Yeah, versus alone. It can definitely be helpful. Yeah. Even if you don't have a lot of money, you can, you know, an hour or two of a conversation or some informational support if you're ready to receive it can go a long way. Yeah. 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 Well, and if you find yourself... In that position, I think finding places that offer help mm-hmm. is so important yep. in that because obviously I talked to you about Mama Fund, but, yeah. you know, nonprofit organizations or support groups yep. or PEPs or yep. all these places totally agree. where people can, there are, there is support, right? It's just, you got to know about it. Right. And you got to reach out and ask. Yep, for sure. So finding it for a friend who you know is struggling or yep. finding it for yourself is so important. For sure. Well, I cannot thank you enough for all your time talking to us about grandma stuff and yeah. all things sleep. It was sleep fun to hear back from that. you again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and making your way all the way out here to me. It was a journey. With fairies it was an adventure. And all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. What is one thing? When it comes to all this stuff that we've talked about today, what's the one thing you want moms to take away? One piece of advice. I can't give just one piece. You can give as much as you want. I think one of the biggest thing this generation is we're losing our maternal instincts to listen to what our gut tells us is something that our child needs. We trust the professionals more than we trust ourselves and our instincts. Mm. I think we need to go back to listening to ourselves. Okay. And then if you need help and ask questions, great. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that's with them 24 hours a day, not the professionals. Do you find that when moms do a lot of research online too, that that's hindering their... They get overwhelmed. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. one of the questions I ask is what sleep books are... The moms that have read every single book still go, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And every method works. It's about consistency, Mm -hmm. right? So... Going with your instincts, finding the balance for your family, um, really supporting your relationship so you can be there for your children. Going on a date. Mm. That's really important to sustain your marriage and your relationships so you can parent happily. Yeah. Ask for help. Yeah. Yep. I think the ask for help is so big. It's hard sometimes. It's hard. Well, because you feel like a bad mom. If you ask for help, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Everybody needs a break. Yeah. I read this really great article the other day, which of course I'm going to forget where and exactly Mm -hmm. who wrote it and all the good things I probably should say. Um, but it was basically this mom that was like, you know, ask me for sunscreen, ask me for an extra wipe, ask me for snacks, ask me for all these things, because I wish I would have asked in those times was kind of like the gist. And I thought, gosh, it is so true. Like, I mean, sometimes my diaper bag is packed full of things and sometimes I've forgotten something. (laughs) And I hope that a mom 
who's in either of those situations will ask or will offer or would be happy to offer. Absolutely. You know, like we're all just in this self worlds. Yes. Yes. I agree. And like, we were worried that this mom's going to think we're a bad mom. And so we can't ask for this person's going to think we're can't handle this. And it's like, just ask, be human and be present. Yeah. Be outside of our stressors in our lives. When you serve others, it actually makes yourself happier. Even if it is giving the diaper wipes that the other person forgot and you have plenty in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Always just ask, ask for help. Yeah. Very good. Well, Marianne, I cannot thank you enough. My pleasure. And for those of you that want more information on um, Mary Ann or any way that you can get in contact with her, you can Mm -hmm. find all the information in um, the details below this podcast. Thanks for having me. It was nice to finally meet you. Yes. I remember our conversation a while back. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized you moved. I did. (laughs) All the way to Bremerton, just so you could take a ferry to come see me. I needed the break. Yes. (laughs) Thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. I hope you loved it. Please subscribe to this podcast so you can get the latest episodes and tell us what you think about it in the reviews. And mamas, I love you.